You're listening to the latest dose of Bipolar Recorder. This podcast may cause dizziness and blurred vision. Enjoy. Welcome back to Bipolar Recorder. My name is Hunter Keegan. Thank you so much for joining us today. For today's episode, I had another conversation with Stu, who has been on the podcast a number of times now. Stu is a professional musician from England who was diagnosed with a few different disorders throughout the course of the pandemic. He started off with a bipolar diagnosis, and it's evolved since then, so he talks a lot about that during the show. And he's also recently been working on a lot of pretty cool blog posts. And as always, it was a really interesting conversation. We talk a lot about society and the difference between mental health versus mental illness, and a bunch of other cool stuff as well. So I hope you enjoy this episode. There are no trigger warnings for this one, so sit back and enjoy. All right. Stu is back and we are just catching up on what's been going on over the last couple of weeks. So um, Stu, right before we were recording, was just talking about starting some new medications. So did you want to pick up from there, Stu? Yeah, I, I've had, I had, I told you, I think, I don't know whether we said it in the last recording, but um, I know I told you that I've been waiting for a, a meeting with the mental health crisis team here. Um, so I saw a psychiatrist and um, yeah, they prescribed me Lamictal or Lamotrigine. Um, so at the moment I've just started taking that. I, I'm, I'm sort of like tentative whether to say it's had any effect yet, but I sort of do feel a little bit more um, in the room. Do you know what I mean? Don't feel like so underneath the ice and that feeling in, in depression, you know, sort of like where you're behind a glass wall. That's awesome. How long ago have you started taking that new dose? Only, only three days. So oh, wow. Okay. Completely off the busperone now, which I think was was making me, I think it did its job while I was anxious and I think it was needed, but I think then the side effects started to kick my ass with it and I, I didn't like the feeling, you know, I was just feeling completely numbed out. Yeah, you were talking last time about possibly going off of the buspirone, so I'm glad that it sounds like you've stopped that and that it's working out now. Well, the way I see it is anxiety and excitement are the same thing, and the buspirone was killing whatever makes you anxious, excited, and and I, in excitement, I mean inspired or like, you know, being like if you see, I've been writing loads more and doing loads more online. Yeah. Yeah, you've been uh, pretty prolific over the last couple of weeks, posting new blog posts and uh, sending me articles that you've been working on and stuff. Seems like you've been in a pretty creative mode. I think, yeah, I think it's the bus. So I think, yeah, I think it's, it's coming off that bus drone. And also seeing the psychiatrist, they 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 mentioned like a number of things that could be going on. So they were basically saying that, yeah, there's bipolar facets to how I am and and there's definitely bipolar going on but on top of that they think that's come from a a, a, a um personality disorder so uh you know borderline personality disorder and then on top of that as well there's that they're, they're, they're suggesting that maybe even before that I, I i've missed out on a diagnosis of autism so they're testing me for autism at the moment oh wow what kind of tests are they doing for that all the, all the psychometrics so they did a full, they did a full like um, appraisal of everything that's gone on over my history. You know, all the time that I become psychotic and my youth and you know how I'd been as a child. And um, yeah, he, he went and spoke to the consultant psychiatrist and came back and said, yeah, there's definitely this bipolar. There's definitely borderline personality disorder, um, and yeah, he's thinking autism as well, which. 
I'm, you know, I, it sort of makes sense. I've always, I don't, I don't like eye contact. I don't like being touched. Yeah. Um, a, lo a lot of that makes sense. And of course it's such a vast spectrum, you know, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to pin it down to one or the other. Do you know what I mean? Because they all cross over, you know, both, both bipolar, borderline personality disorder and autism all have facets that are similar. So yeah. I'm just sort of processing it at the moment, really. I don't know how, how to feel about it because obviously it's, it's more labels and more tags. Yeah. That's a lot to process. Um, can you talk a little bit about borderline personality disorder? Cause I'm not super familiar with it. I mean, I have a basic understanding of what it is, but did the doctors give you any like detail yeah. about that or anything? Well, you can end up psychotic from it and you do end up with major depressive illness. The little bits I've read, because obviously I, 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 I took the first diagnosis of bipolar and, ran with that and was reading about that but there's a lot of crossover but i suppose the difference is is it's a lot more treatable mm. um and they think that the bipolar may have come off of the the borderline personality disorder stroke autism so it's almost like the bipolar has come out of that in my teens as my personality has been developing and of course we talked last time about the drug abuse and the bullying mm -hmm. they were very interested in that you know obviously at the time when my brain was developing, I was I was abusing drugs and getting bullied. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of crossover. But the the main difference is I think it's more treatable. So there's a positive there, um, and it's whether with that the bipolar symptoms disappear. But I think they can't really they can't really say it's one or the other unless they see me in a psychotic phase, and we don't really want to go there. So. I, I'm I'm being treated to try and keep me out of the depression and the psychosis because they were going to put me on tramazole, an mm. antidepressant. I have but, not heard of tramazole before. Yeah, tramazole. They they were going to put me on that, and the consultant psych psychiatrist came back and said no because it could make me psychotic. So they're, they're still they're still sort of working through a diagnosis, really. And, and again, you know, like I said last time, all these and and not not names or tags really they're ways to get treatment you know then i can access treatment and hopefully access you know a, a better way of living whatever it might be i mean whatever whatever way it goes absolutely yeah, you, you want the best quality of life possible you know well yeah and i've obviously been struggling with something a something whatever it might be called i mean maybe one day there'll be an umbrella term for all three things combined you know what i mean i i yeah. I don't know, and I don't know. I, I don't too, feel too invested in the, the tags, really. Uh, I feel more invested in the treatment and the the way I I get to a point where I can function. Because I, the last, like you know, since we've been talking, the last five five months, I think when I first, I think it was you that first reached out and said about busperone and said it helped with anxiety. That was about four or five months ago, and I was in a completely anxious state. Then I was like having physical anxiety, like someone was choking me and. Mm. just horrible horrible feelings and then that sort of glided down into depression got you um well i think that's a good outlook not to get too tied into the labels and focus more on the treatment and um getting better yeah. aspect of things i did want to pull up um i just found an article online about borderline personality disorder just to kind of refresh my memory on it and yeah, um I'll just like skim over it really quickly. So it says the criteria for a diagnosis, um, borderline personality disorder, also known as BPD, is a pervasive pattern of instability in interpersonal relationships, self-image and emotion, as well as marked impulsivity, beginning by early adulthood and present in a variety of contexts as indicated by five or more of the following. And then it goes into um, kind of a lengthy list of symptoms, but yeah. it includes things like chronic feelings of emptiness, emotional instability, frantic efforts to avoid real or imagined abandonment, um, inappropriate intense anger or difficulty controlling anger is one of them. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, pattern of unstable and intense interpersonal relationships characterized by extremes between idealization and devaluation, also known as splitting. Yeah. Um, 
So those are just a few of the symptoms. It, it definitely goes in more depth than that, but that's a very broad level overview. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. And you see the crossover there with bipolar as well. There's, there's mm-hmm. some crossover, but yeah, I suppose it's to what what degree I am falling into any any one of the three, you know, whether it's BPD, bipolar or uh, autism, or whether I started off autistic, developed a personality disorder, and then went on to develop bipolar. I mean, th- that's that's how he sort of phrased it to me. Hmm. But it's sort of, work, it's sort of unraveling it all and working back so that, you know, I hopefully never, ever become psychotic like I was last year and I never enter into that sort of very manic bipolar state. Um, yeah, so, he, I mean, he says this crossover. It's like it's it sticks to one and a half dozen of the other, as they say in England. <laughs> yeah, so um, in terms of the autism spectrum disorder, you said that you've had like social anxiety and stuff. You don't like making eye contact. Were, were there any other symptoms that made them think that you might yeah, be on the, the spectrum? I think, yeah, I think the intent, the intense relationships, like the black and white thinking. I mean, again, that's bipolar, isn't it? There's black and white thinking. There's no gray. But yeah, I've definitely had that thing where I idealize someone or demonize them. So I can see that. Um, also, I worked as a support worker. And to be honest with you, the, the people I had the best relationship with the autistic people. Um, I could understand what they were getting at and I could understand their anxieties. And I, I always thought I just had a bit of a, a skill around that sort of disability. Um, hmm. But it probably, it, it probably could be that because I am autistic, maybe that I was able to understand their position. Um, but yeah, like I said, I mean, it, I see it as an unraveling. I see it if, if it started off as autism, it went to BPD and then, ultimately after all the drug abuse and and pain of living through those things it developed further into bipolar whether bipolar is at the root or not i I do not know yeah and it also could have been everything co-occurring at the same time too it's like it's impossible to really pinpoint it at this point i guess well yeah because human beings are singular in their their approach aren't they it's like if you've got cancer you don't think you can have a heart attack but that's not true right (laughs) You, you can be suffering with one or, one or more and it's i mean they got me on respiridon one milligram a day and they're, they're, they're titrating me up to 200 milligrams of limit no 100 milligrams of lamictal at the moment that's and cool I, I well it's not cool i guess but i i um no, it, it, if it works it's cool isn't it yeah well i was just gonna say um it, it's cool because i've been on lamictal slash lamotrigine for a while now and it's been helpful for me so I hope it's helpful for you too. Um, so you're taking the Lamotrigine and the Risperdal right now and that's it? Yeah, that's it. I've got, I'm off the others. But th- that's why it's interesting as well. With all the people I've reached out to and all the many medications I could have, I'm speaking to someone who is a musician and has been prescribed the same medications. as <laughs> You know, because you're looking for that... Um, you're looking for that confidence or that connection with someone else who's going through what you're going through. Because I don't trust doctors and... I don't, as I say, speak to that many people at the moment, although I'm online and I'm, I'm tweeting, I just, you know, I'm writing. I don't, I don't have close friendships with people at the moment because I've become quite isolated, um, partly because of my own choice, because I just, I, I just can't handle other people, mm-hmm. which, which again, you know, you think of autism and, you know, I'm quite happy sort of staying in the house and never leaving the house again, which is, is fairly obsessive and, um in the routine and i know i know that of autistic people that they can't and family members and friends have always joked you know like i said to you that i'm a little bit rain man and that's that's always been as a sort of flippant joke um mm-hmm. but now i wonder how much where there was a grain of of truth in that and they were seeing something that the psychiatrist is now seeing but we'll see i'll keep you updated i mean i'm 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 just open to feeling better. That's it. I'm just open to feeling better. I don't, I've given up trying to work out what it is myself and really, really move towards trying to feel better, you know, cause I can't, I can't live like I've been living mm-hmm. you know, the depression. It's, it's too much. It's too much. Yeah. Well, I, I hope that they continue kind of nailing down that diagnosis or multiple diagnoses 
and that they're they're able to prescribe proper medication and therapeutic treatments and things like that. So um, well, wish you all the best with that one. Yeah, Sandra, that's all. That's all it's for, isn't it? Really, that's that's. I mean, you can get online, and it's almost like sometimes diagnoses are worn as a badge of honor. And I don't know. For me, that doesn't resonate. I mean, although you will use these tags to reach out and have communication with people. There is a there is a tendency towards it being a a club, and I I don't know how helpful that is wanting to be in a sickness club. Do you know what I mean? Because it is a sickness. Yeah, the uh, hashtag bipolar club on Twitter. Um, people do yeah. kind of wear it as a badge, I guess, in some cases, which I think I, is fine. But you know, everyone has a different outlook on that. Yeah, because it's almost like you want to join and then leave the club immediately. Do you know what I mean? It's like by joining, you're saying I want to leave, and it's it's this this dichotomy between um, between what you need and what you want. Do you know what I mean? You 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 need to reach out to other people who've had similar experiences. Like I I tweeted about Lamotrigine, and you know I was feeling a bit sick, and I had a headache, and I was thinking, is you know is it this or I just got a headache and I feel sick. So you get that support, but at the same time, really what you're saying or what you should be saying is I don't want to be part of your club, not in a bad way, but in a way <laughs> you want to be well. You don't, you don't want to be on the cancer ward if you've got cancer. You don't want to be, you know, on, on the heart attack ward if you've had a heart attack. You want to be well. And yeah, so for me, it's, it's, it's a thin line. You walk between it becoming something you wear and accept forever or and something that you sort of accept and then reject through help do you know what I mean and, and you get away from almost and that's that's no that's no casting no aspersions to anyone who is part of that or is sharing that handle it's um it's that I think what they really mean is that they wish they weren't <laughs> maybe I think that um for something as life-changing as a diagnosis of serious mental illness like bipolar or schizophrenia or anything like that it does become a huge part of your self-identity, at least for some people. So that's that, I think that has a lot to do with why some people put like hashtag bipolar club in their Twitter bio or whatever. Um, so like, it makes sense to me, but I, I do hear where you're coming from. Um, it, it's a club, but maybe a club that not everyone wants to identify as being part of. Um, some people may just want to focus more on treatment and getting well and not um, limiting things to Ill, a label yeah. like that. Yeah, not focus on being ill. I think that's, I think, I think it's good if it's, if it's therapeutic and if people are offering suggestions that make you feel better. And as I say, it's almost by joining that club, you, you should be encouraging everyone to leave it and get better, you know, and it's, it's a, it's a, a strange contradiction in itself. It, it, yeah. It might be a little bit of a contradiction, but I think it's also people just embracing who they are, you know, um, kind of like the LGBTQ community embracing that. I don't know. Maybe that's not the best comparison. I might edit that no, part I out. <laughs> I know. I th no, I think you're, I think you're right. But I think that's where, I think of myself and 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 this idea that I might be autistic is is true because I just don't feel similar to anyone a lot of the time you know no matter I, I don't like being part of things I don't I, I like my own way do you know you're I mean? lone wolfing it <laughs> yeah and I I think I think that could be that could be part of it as well you know I, I I don't like the idea it makes me feel cheesy to be part of anything do you know what I mean I don't Although I need it, and though it's been helpful and supportive, at the same time, my my other part of my brain is saying, "Oh, well, you want to be in the bipolar club?" Do you know what I mean? And it's I, I, it's it's a, as I say, it's a strange strange contradiction for me. You seem very opposed to like um, like common movements. I think because I remember a couple of other times when you came on the show, you were mentioning that you don't like journaling because it's like too much of a cliche or whatever. And now you're saying you don't want to be part of the bipolar club because it's too much of a cliche or whatever. So um. yes, that, that may, maybe that that is <laughs> that is that I, again, as I say, that is fairly autistic in its range. You know that I only see my own way, and maybe that's a problem. Maybe it's not. I don't know. As I say, I'm not casting any any aspersions to anyone that that is part of that or gains support from that. It's just 
I just wonder how helpful it is sometimes. Do you know what I mean? To, yeah. to constantly be tagging yourself and labeling yourself with different diagnoses. Do you know what I mean? Unless it's for treatment, unless it's for, for moving on up and, and getting out. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I don't know. It can almost feel defeatist. I think for me, for me, that's how it feels, but it's different for everyone. Of course. Yeah. 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 So um, there were a couple of other things that I know you wanted to talk about today, uh, including uh, psychotic conspiracy theories. We were kind of bouncing back and forth about that yeah. um, via direct messages. I've, um, been watching, yeah, I've been watching a Waco documentary. Oh, yeah. David Koresh. Yeah, yeah right. the Branch Davidians. An American musician as well. It's very, very interesting. But yeah, we, we were tossing the idea around of, like this cult of one, weren't we? You know, psychosis is like, um, can almost be viewed as sort of a cult that you don't really want other people to join. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a cult that exists inside your head, I guess. Um, did you want to expand on that? I'll, I can kind of let you take the lead on this one. Yeah, I, it's because obviously over the pandemic, I've I've lost my sanity, as it were. And um, part of that, I, I'd, I'd come into the pandemic being a firm believer in all the conspiracies, 9-11 was inside job, aliens on the moon, all the rest of it, you know, they faked the moon landings with Kubrick, all, all this stuff. Yeah. But strangely, I think as I became psychotic, I became completely opposed to any of those ideas. So it's almost like I couldn't see any conspiracy. And then I started to wonder, again, maybe it's like this thing of me hating journaling, blogging and hating being part of clubs, that once I saw like the Capitol riots, and the anti-vax movement in the UK really explode. I started to wonder how much that is like psychosis, like group psychosis almost, you know, that, that, you know, there's this excited mania around, you know, this simplistic description of something complex, you know, and something as, as complex as the politics of America or, or the UK can be somehow explained through a Reddit handle on, you know or 4chan handle on on the internet and you know that people can end up believing things like donald trump is sent to save all the abused children and you know I, I just wondered where that or what you thought as well where where that collision between psychosis and conspiracy exists do you know what i mean yeah i think that when you're in a psychotic state of mind you're more likely to come up with conspiracies revolving around yourself rather than revolving around others. And there is something called shared psychosis. I, I believe that's the term for it, but with uh, small groups of people who are isolated together, when one person starts having psychotic symptoms, sometimes they quote unquote, get passed along to other people in the group just due to the social environment. So, with a psychotic conspiracy theory of your own or a psychotic conspiratorial state of mind or whatever you want to call it, um, I guess that it seems more like you against the world. Um, everyone, I don't know if this makes sense or not. Let me know if this is totally off base. But um, yeah, I, I mean, when you're psychotic, it feels like you're rallying against other things. And sometimes other people gravitate towards that. And sometimes people don't. As far as like conspiracy theories with like Waco and stuff like that, conspiracy leaders or cult leaders tends to be very narcissistic individuals. So maybe that involves a component of psychosis as well. Um, yeah, definitely. Well, watching the, the Branch Davidians and Waco, I mean, Koresh was definitely psychotic and his psychosis grew even further as he managed to convince people. But then it was almost this negative feedback loop where the people around him were becoming more psychotic and believing all kinds of nonsense around him to the point where they, they were willing to go up against the federal government and allow themselves to be killed in, in the main. I mean, you know, firing automatic weapons at uh, federal agents is probably not a good idea, especially when they've got tanks. I mean, unless you've got tanks as well, they didn't have any. And, and yeah. you see that thing in the Capitol riots, there was like the, these these key figures, like the, the, the shaman guy and some of the Proud Boys that 
were definitely, I think they lived in this sort of bubble where the psychosis has rubbed off on each other. And there's this sort of like resonance where they want to say the right thing and they keep adding to this. It's like the and then story when you in school, you know, where you will do a line of a story and they all, they start adding to this, this group think, you know, and everything, you know, the, like I said to you, if you believe in one conspiracy, you're likely to believe in other conspiracies, even if they oppose. So for example, I think a study showed that if you believe Princess Diana was um, killed by the royal family in France, then you're just as likely to believe she's still alive and living somewhere else. So there's no, and that that to me seems psychotic because I I I, I was believing conflicting things, and the, the 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 focus or the lens to to make sense of them was me, and it's like no, I understand. So you get these key figures, whether it be David Koresh or the leader of the Proud Boys or the shaman guy with his big horns, you know, in the in the chamber. In. Yeah, the guy who was dressed in like animal skins and wearing face paint during the Capitol riots. There were a lot of photos of him. Yeah, the uh, QAnon. The QAnon shame and he was called one of the yeah um there's something called i'm sorry go ahead go 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 i was just gonna say that there's something called groupthink um which i have pulled up a definition of so groupthink is a phenomenon that occurs when a group of individuals reaches a consensus without critical reasoning or evaluation of the consequences or alternatives it is based on a common desire not to upset the balance of a group of people. So yeah. when you get a bunch of people who are already kind of agitated, maybe a little bit going psychotic, if you get them all together, then I guess they're more likely to all think the same thing or have their beliefs kind of rub off on each other. And that leads to collectives of people all making the same logical fallacies, yeah. And things like that i think i think it's that i always say it's like a christmas tree conference so what you got is you got this christmas tree expo and and it's running in summer and no one is going to slag off the other christmas trees because they're all there for the christmas tree conference so it's that and then thing as i say where as long as you add into the story and it resonates with the central narrative you can add anything in so that's what QAnon became QAnon became like this uncontrollable beast of a thing where people were just adding in all i mean they were saying that wayfair were trafficking children and um tom hanks had been assassinated and was in guantanamo ellen degeneres was in guantanamo and that that filled over here in england you know you got your people from bloody birmingham or stoke in england which are you know birmingham is quite a big city but your people around the shires of england spouting american conspiracy and like it's just you know and that that's led to them going up to school gates and talking to children about not getting the vaccine oh my god handing out writs in hospitals where they they're printing off this free man on the land you know idea where you you know you're not your given name from the government you can somehow throw off the chains of being owned by the government and the government somehow trade your birth certificate on on the open market for value and they're, they're, they're going into hospitals and handing them them this paperwork out to, to say that we're going to hold them uh to 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 task if anything happens to people who are vaccinated and you're like how did we get it yeah so basically you're you're saying you think that the whole world has kind of collectively gone psychotic under covid and people have their different conspiracies that they're leaning toward yeah well that was my favorite sentence when i was psychotic I used to say, how the fuck can you say I'm psychotic when you look at what's going on out there? And that's what I'd say to my partner again and again. I would say, where's the ground? Show me the ground and the ceiling because I can't see it anymore. Mm -hmm. I, don't know, I don't know where the beginning starts and the end ends because everything seems so psychotic. And you've you got these, these mainstay conspiracists that have probably always been on that trip but they were starting to affect other people. You know, you get them affecting their mums and their dads and their brothers and sisters and, and all of a sudden they're spouting conspiracy. I've I stood in, stood in queues in, in, in shops being called a sheep for wearing a mask. And, you know, it, they, they're going up to vaccine centres and abusing people who were queuing up to get vaccinated. And these are, well, you can't go how people look, but they just look like your average Joe. Do you know what I mean? And they're like mm -hmm. shouting, shouting about, the police being paedophiles and God knows what, and I'm sure there are paedophile police, but all of them, mm -hmm. all of the politicians, or 
they're not that organized. The stress of a global pandemic has definitely uh, disrupted a lot of things and I think made it a lot harder, especially for people who already have mental health problems um, in a lot of different ways. I mean, obviously, the pandemic affected your state of mind quite a bit, um, as you've been saying through the last couple of times you've been on the show. Um, Yeah in terms of like paranoia and wanting to socially isolate and things like that. I mean, it can be very dangerous for people who have uh, serious mental illness. Well, yeah, because the whole, the whole phraseology and the whole sort of uh, assessment of it is that this, this in the West, this pandemic has been bad for mental health. Mm -hmm. Well, I'd say what about people who are already mentally ill? Mm -hmm. yeah it's affected everybody and then i guess especially so people who are are mentally ill yeah i I agree with what you're saying yeah i I couldn't swim anyway and the ocean came in and got me do you know what i mean and you know there's a tidal wave and i think i think it was hard to watch lots of people collapse and that's where i isolated because there's it's almost like when someone's racist or sexist or they've got bizarre ideas you're like waiting to hit that trigger point and it happened to me with my my brother my elder brother eldest brother I was speaking to him about the pandemic and I told him I'd had a breakdown and he said oh yeah you know it's all you don't need to wear a mask and vaccines don't work and you know it's all bullshit then and I said well wait 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 what the fuck are you talking about you know no we there's a pandemic god and there's there's an illness going around and it's real and he's like what do you know you're mad anyway ah that's offensive well, but what do you say? What do you say to that when you know? Because it just ends up like two barking dogs, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? Both calling each other mad because I was calling him mad mm-hmm. for believing this nonsense. Yet he's calling me insane because I've admitted that I'm struggling with my mental health, and you get this sort of like collision. And that, yeah. That's what that's why I find most difficult is that you don't know when people are holding these bizarre beliefs i know i i was tentative when i approached you about it i was like what do you think about that hunter just in case you were going to go yeah q and on yeah like testing the waters a little bit to see how insane i really am <laughs> or, well, or how much you've been affected by the group thing caused by the the the, the pandemic and that i think yeah. that, that the, I've been kind of lucky in that I don't think the pandemic directly impacted my mental health as much as it has impacted other people's mental health. I don't know why. Um, that's just something that is a me thing. Um, the way the pandemic really impacted my health was physically because I couldn't keep going to the gym and stuff. And I had been on this insane physical fitness kick for like two years right you know like running many many miles every day and you know working out a lot and doing all this other shit and yeah so the pandemic um turned me off of that it screwed up my schedule so i stopped working out so it took a toll on my physical health a bit so now i'm a little weakling again (laughs) and um um also i and this is getting away from what we were previously talking about, but it did make me start smoking again, which uh, just due to stress and stuff. So I've had physical health issues caused by the pandemic, but not so much uh, mental health issues, I guess, um, aside from, I guess, if you include stress and anxiety as part of that, um, leading yeah. to yeah. nicotine use. So Yeah, I, 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 agree. I mean, obviously, as has for everyone you know your, your ability to exercise or I mean I, I I was never good with exercising but I I just wonder whether people who are mentally ill are so fixed in their own internal state and their own internal struggles that anything group thinky like that they they would they reject I mean I, I definitely straight off as soon as that, as soon as it hit and people started saying oh scamdemic mm-hmm. I no, I know what's going on here. People are making T-shirts and getting websites together, and there's going to be a lot of money made off of this by idiots with webcams. Do you know what I mean? And I, yeah. I knew people like Alex Jones. You know, and, you know they put chemicals in the in the water that makes the frogs gay. All those sort of shouts. That <laughs> you know, just how can you listen to the man? And that 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 sort of button right up against far right ideology scared me because they straight away rejected Black Lives Matter. And said, "Oh no, that's a that's a conspiracy." Every 
everything became a conspiracy. As I say, it's the Christmas tree convention. You're not, you're in the middle of summer, it's a Christmas tree convention. You're not going to slag off another Christmas tree because you don't want people to slag off your Christmas tree. So you just keep adding Christmas trees until there's like these exhibition halls filled with people trying to sell Christmas trees in the summer. And mm-hmm. that's what it felt like to me. And I, I, I couldn't get my head around it. I just couldn't, because I knew the thinking that led to it. Do you know what I mean? I knew that it's like, I, it's, I know the path that that goes down, even though I was believing all kinds of absolute fantasy. Mm-hmm. I wasn't willing to accept that fantasy. It's almost like I was too, too fixed in. Hones in on your own fantasy rather than the fantasies of others. Yeah, while completely psychotic, I could see that any suggestion that COVID was a fake or a conspiracy was nonsense. Mm-hmm. And that, that fascinated me that because I could, that was almost like a check with reality for me. And in a way, I, I, it's what held me from going completely and utterly off, off the boil, you know, more than I already had. You think um, the psychosis helped you avoid subscribing to the pandemic conspiracy theories and things like that? Yeah, definitely. I, I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it, I, there's no way to test it, but I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't have gone psychotic. Maybe I would have been, as I say, I mean, we, we know, we through the band knew Gareth Icke, who's David Icke's son, and we played on David Icke's TV show. He had a TV channel in London. So we'd gone to conferences and we'd we we done these things. Oh, Jim Core from the Cause, an Irish band, did, is a great proponent of nine eleven being an inside job. But it sort of lifted the the the, the sunglasses for me on on that that lens of viewing the world in such a simplistic way. And I I, I rejected a lot of that thinking. I rejected it definitely. You know, yeah. But it was it was it's hard to see people going down that path and knowing that you can't get to them because i knew if someone tried to convince me of my psychosis was not right there's no way i'm listening to it and i knew they were psychotic so it's like i know they're not listening to it and I'm like, it was you know we're watching mass rallies in london and as i say all the other stuff we're going to schools to shout at vaccine administrators and you know attacking doctors and honestly I've sent you a few articles where it's just like, what? <laughs> yeah, shit's gotten completely out of hand. Um, I know another thing that you were talking about was the intersection between mental illness and achieving mental health. Um, yeah. So do you, do you think that mental health is a toxic subject for mentally ill people? I think you, it's a bit... I think it's a bit like suggesting running for wheelchair users. Yeah. Okay. I think I think it's a bit like saying, why don't you get up, have a jog, and exercise your legs? Uh, mm-hmm. I, and I think it's become faddy, and I think it's become it's armed people who don't know well enough with this vocabulary that is completely unhelpful to someone who's suffering with a mental illness. So, I feel depressed gets translated to I feel sad. To cheer up, do meditation go for a walk and I think it's a complete misunderstanding of what mental illness means I mean it's like saying to a schizophrenic just turn off the voices in your head you know it's just not gonna happen it's yeah it's it's actually really interesting that you mentioned that because just yesterday I was hosting a Twitter space and we had a bunch of people on the chat and someone came into the chat room and he started talking all about how depression and mania don't exist because he was saying well everybody gets happy and everybody gets sad sometimes and myself and others who actually are living with mental illness in the chat room in the twitter space were discussing how no depression does not inherently equate to sadness and mania does not inherently equate to happiness it's a lot more complicated than that So there's a lot of misunderstandings, I think, from the neurotypical population as far as, you know, maybe you have job stress or something like that, and you have environmental factors that can be um, alleviated or remedied maybe through meditation or deep breathing or something like that. But for someone who has serious mental illness, SMI, it goes a lot deeper than that. And it's a lot more difficult to be treated 
And for people with chronic conditions like bipolar or like schizophrenia, sometimes there is, well, I guess by definition, there's no way to cure it. So mental health, quote unquote, is not as achievable. Um, and, and I guess in some ways it is being used as a buzzword these days um, among people who are of the neurotypical population and who are otherwise mentally healthy. So they, they can get back to mental health, but for someone with a chronic mental illness, it's a different story. I guess Definitely. is that what you're getting at? Yeah, is it? Well, I, I think I think you can accept. I can accept the bad mental health. Like bad things happening to mental health could in turn lead to mental illness. I think you don't all of a sudden become mentally ill always. I think you could have a series of situations happen and be certainly predisposed beforehand to, to that, and that bad mental health will lead to mental illness. But then if you flip it on its head, I don't think if you're mentally ill, you can apply mental health and cure the illness. I don't I, I think it's a misnomer. I, I think I think for someone like me or you struggling with mental illness, I think once you get stable, some of those things could be good to keep us stable. You know, I was speaking on Twitter, to someone today who's got PTSD and, you know, he was saying that someone had suggested aromatherapy. Now, for mm-hmm. me, we were talking last time, smells are a big thing and. I think if you if you can pair you can you can pair smells with relaxation you can you can get some some good reactions off of that but I don't think you can I th- I don't think you can cure mental illness with glib statements like have you tried meditating because if if someone's got bipolar and they sit and meditate it it could be worse I mean if I sat and meditated on psychosis what's going to happen I'm going to end up in Waco with machine guns and tanks probably well there's different coping strategies that are appropriate for different frames of mind so if you're psychotic meditation probably wouldn't be a good idea because you would just be left entirely alone with your psychotic thoughts conversely aromatherapy could somewhat help because these coping tools like they do work um, you know, there's different coping strategies that work well for different people. Um, but not every coping strategy is going to be applicable to every situation. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the popularity of it. You know, it's very, you know, yoga and wellness has become a very big thing in, in social media, whether it be Instagram or Twitter or, or, or Facebook. And I think, I think it is that just sort of, well, you've always got a struggle, haven't you, with mental health and mental illness in that people think you're in control of it because it's your brain. Whereas something physical, you know, if I'm paralyzed, no one's going to tell me to get up and have a walk. Or if I've got diabetes, no one's going to say, have you tried meditating for that? Because obviously yeah. meditation is going to bring about insulin production. But I think when you're at the state we're at where we're taking psychotropics to control the brain chemistry of our brain and keep us away from either a manic phase or a depressive phase it's completely glib to to suggest that these mental health ideas of a warm bath or me time or or whatever it might be are going to be any use Uh, i think i think a deeper understanding of mental illness is needed i think you know we need more appreciation beyond just because depression has, has been talked about since the 90s, as, as we talked about before. And there's a lot of understanding about depression. And I think that's where bad mental health can lead to, to major depressive episodes. I think, you know, say you have a partner leave you or die or you lose your job or all three things happen at once. You let go of your mental health. You become mentally ill. I can, I can see that. Yeah, but it's when- the environmental factors versus internal factors that are impacting yeah. people in those situations. Yeah, it's 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 the idea that the external can somehow affect the internal. I don't think it can have a retrospective way of fixing it. I think you can have bad mental health, which leads to mental illness, and external factors will play that up. But I don't think really just external factors can can affect the internal state of someone who's mentally ill. If you understand me, um, I think the angle that I come at it from is that there's both environmental and internal factors that lead to mental illness in most cases like you can have a bad environment that exacerbates 
um, symptoms of bipolar disorder. For example, if you live in a household where there's a lot of domestic violence or something like that, that can definitely cause mental illness to become worse. Um, and that, I, I, I would say yeah, that, damage. sorry? That's more damage, isn't it? Like we were talking about before, that's more damage on top of a problem, isn't it? Yeah, like it, it, so there's like the genetic or the internal component of there's neurological chemical imbalances in your brain and that needs to be treated with medication typically. Um, but I do also think that coping strategies like aromatherapy, taking a, a long relaxing bath or, um, you know, even meditation, you know, things like that. I think that they do help um, even if you do have chronic mental illness, like they, they help, but it's not going to be a cure-all and it's not going to be like automatic that they help and it's not going to completely cure it. So yeah, that, yeah, that's where I say it's glib because what happens is you're in a chronic state, whether it be psychotic or depressive, and then someone who has followed wellness online will come out with a glib suggestion, which in, in the main is actually unhelpful at that point. I, I, was, I was reading before that, you know, it's about, about ruminating on obsessive thoughts. And it was saying that, you know, a lot of the time in, in nature, because we've only lived in industrialized nations for a very short period of time. So before that, we've lived in nature. In nature, that, that way where you ruminate on a problem over and over again and play it through was helpful because it was mm -hmm. a effect that would be, there's a line over there and it's, gonna, it's killing everybody in the village. So yeah. obsessing over that is very much needed. Whereas obsessing over your credit card bill or the relationship with your girlfriend or what job you're doing or how you see yourself in society, you're not going to think your way out of that. And there's no, there's no immediate physical threat. So you, I, th I think it would be interesting for me. I, I, I always think I feel better in nature. And mm -hmm. I mean, that, that's just one of those things. I feel better on, on my own or with people I trust away from the madness of the world because there's too much to navigate. I find it exhausting. And that's where, you know, maybe the autistic thing is correct. I find the world a noisy, stressful, untrustworthy, angry, confusing place. Do you know what I mean? And I, I navigate it and I can pretend and I've created a character that, that, you know, an avatar that will live in that world. But in the main underneath I'm suffering. I, I don't really want to be navigating it. I, I don't, I don't, see myself as part of it do you know what I mean and that's where those sort of industrialized solutions that come from mental health just the, I it, it pisses me off I'll be honest with you it pisses me off you know the idea that you're not mentally ill you're spiritually defunct or you need to you know convene with your oneness as I say because I, I don't know what that means I don't really know what the fuck they're talking about when they say these things do you and, think you know, uh, do you think hearing that message from someone who does have mental illness would make it more powerful or more worthwhile? Do you think that just when neurotypical people try to deliver that message, it's frustrating? Or would it be different if you heard the same message coming from someone who actually does have mental illness? I think it's hard to hard to work out who's neurotypical. That's where I'd start first of all. I, I mean, yeah. Okay. That that's a great point. I I I, I'd, I'd struggle to instantly be able to convey that because like we've said, we pretend for the benefit of other people that we're okay. You know, I, I've been in psychotic states and you wouldn't know at all. You know what I mean? Because I'm, I'm getting good at masking it. You know I mean? I, I had psychiatric assessments and I was ideating about killing myself and killing other people and all kinds and the psychiatrist didn't know because I didn't say it because I knew how to be a good boy you know and <laughs> yeah not, you don't want to alarm anybody or trigger any red flags you don't want to get locked up do you, you don't want to you don't want to get locked up unless it's absolutely necessary and I think you know you've always got a realization that something you say may have you know a drastic effect on your freedom you know if you're struggling with your your mental health and your, men, your mental illness should I say but no I suppose if it came if it came from someone I had a relationship with who I was talking about and I understood they had a mental illness and they said 
oh here's some spiritual stuff i I, i'd be i probably yeah i would probably be more inclined to listen but i i've I've got a firm block because it's just become so popularized you know it's like you know this idea of like saging everything you know and you know robbing off of ancient cultures and like presenting it as your own whether it be as i say sage or whether it be rune stones or you know crystals you know all these ideas i i don't find them helpful for me i'm not saying they're not helpful for other people but for me i just i don't think they the only thing that's helped me no no amount of courts or saging was gonna stop me from being psychotic and i was i was obviously ill and recently i've been very depressed and i don't think having a crystal in my pocket or burning incense was going to make me feel not depressed. It, yeah. It's a chemical thing in my brain because I know nothing's changed. Everything's the same, but I feel these vastly different states of either psychotic or depressed. So nothing's changed. No, I've got, I've not had any massive life things happen, but still I'm swinging between these states. And that, that's where I know it's bullshit. You know, I just, I just know it's bullshit for me but that's understandable it, it's like those pop culture pop psychology perspectives that get frustrating and seem kind of useless after a certain point um when when you, you hear them you coming it? from i'm sorry go ahead do you remember the psychopath test that went around or the so- sociopath test that went around facebook a while ago um vaguely there was this test and it went around and every so often you bump into someone and they tell me they were a sociopath or something. And they've done this bloody, you know, personality test online. And it's oh, like, okay. Again, you know, you took like a psych- five minute quiz on Facebook and now you're like identifying as having some sort of serious mental disorder or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, you're, you're, and also it's framed in that way, isn't it? Are you a sociopath? You know what I mean? Like the, the psychometric test I did the other day didn't say, are you autistic? Mm-hmm. He, gave me, he gave me a number of statements and the doctor said for us to get this treatment right and for you to feel good, you know, we know what we're doing the best thing. You're going to have to answer these honestly to your best ability. So I answered them honestly to the best ability. I wasn't trying to be autistic or not autistic. I was trying to answer each question as it came down. But that's where I'm these glib sort of social media things that pass around do more damage than good. You know, I, I yeah, I, I hear you. I, I think I agree with that. And um, that's the difference between like an actual clinical assessment and something like just a stupid game that you've found online, basically, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, I, I think when I feel stable, I, I and, and I get to some sort of um equilibrium in in myself i would imagine something like a long relaxing bath might help but but i i and maybe an interest in spirituality but at the moment all i'm left with is every moment to moment is feeling some form of bad and that's Mm -hmm. hard to explain to someone because it's not like i feel bad and i put it aside and then i feel all right for a bit and i can't distract myself from it it's like it's all through that filter everything everything is through the filter of feeling depressed or hopeless and or the, the transverse you know manic you know there was there was no way i could put aside my mania uh, do you know what i mean it's i think that's that's the distinction and i think i don't think people understand it and i, I wrote i wrote a little piece on it that i put out there and that's what you know a few people have said thank you i suffer with mental health and it's it's a very nice way of putting it it's it's it, it, it expresses something I've been trying to express. And then other people who don't suffer with mental illness have come and said, you know, thank you for this, because now I'll maybe watch the way I speak to people. Because I don't think they meet, I don't think it always, I, I'm angry about it, granted. But I don't think, I don't think they mean harm by it. I yeah. don't think they mean to be glib or, or you know, rejective of what you're saying. It's, that's that's awesome that um you were able to advocate for mental health like that i mean that's like the beauty of mental health advocacy is making people feel less alone and also sharing with people who do not have mental illness you know giving them perspective on that what was that um what was that piece called and where can people find it it's on the elephant journal and what was it called i can't remember anything never um 
oh yeah, how can we have mental health when we're mentally sick? And it's on Elephant Journal or on Twitter. So, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it sounds blamey, doesn't it? It sounds like you're blaming people for trying to help. But I, I think the biggest thing has been, like I talked to you about, is being suicidal and feeling suicidal. So feeling like you want to kill yourself and keeping it to yourself is probably one of the most dangerous and damaging things you can do. Mm-hmm. Whereas nine times out of 10, if you share it with people, they don't understand that it's a feeling and not a plan. Mm-hmm. There's a distinction between, I think, I think if I went very cheerful and, um, uh, and light after being very dark, it's, it's more worrying because I think, I think that I've made the decision to do it. Whereas the sufferance comes from constantly feeling like you'd be better if you weren't here and the, the, the suffering would end if you killed yourself. And you know, that, that somehow you need to be gone expressing that to people was helpful because then you sort of get it out do you know what i mean you're not just left with it in the dark recesses of your mind you know you you don't ruminate on it constantly with every thought you know because i'll just be sitting there and i'll i think i wonder if that door would take my weight with a rope do you know what i mean and it's mm. not it's not because i'm planning it's because i constantly feel bad <laughs> i just feel constantly yeah. depressed you know and it's like it's hard to explain that to people because it's hard to leave it behind, isn't it? It's hard to, to put it to one side. It's and that's where you know the tags and the labels and the diagnoses come in. I think because then you can understand through the lens of that that oh no, I'm sick. I'm sick, mm-hmm. and this is you know I'm suffering with the sickness, and this will get better or will be manageable and will move out of it, rather than it just being a final end. Do you know what I mean? And that's that's what that's where I think you know we need to get to where we can. You can truly say to someone you got a headache. You know, you, people do it, don't they? If you got a headache, for some reason people tell you they got a headache. I've got a headache. It doesn't make the headache go away, but it, the, there's a relaxation and a, 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 a nice feeling in knowing that you've told someone you got a headache and you know you're a bit worried about it, or you know, and they might go and get you some paracetamol, or they might just turn the music down and just be mindful of the fact that you got a headache. I think it's the same with mental illness. I mean, if you can say like you'd probably do with your partner or I do with my partner, that you're heading towards a psychotic state, then actions can be taken to stop you going further down that route. Left on your own, we know where it goes. It ends up in Texas and New Orleans and all kinds of other things. <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, yeah, there's think- definitely a catharsis in, in sharing things like that with other people. And then it gives other people the ability to help you and provide you with resources if they can do that. Definitely, definitely. That's that. That's it. And it's not, as I say, it's not a criticism of someone who is trying to help. But I think, I, I just, I, I think more learning is needed about it, and you know, a broader understanding of what's going on. And that can only come from the people who are suffering from the illness. And that that's difficult in itself because we're probably dealing with the stigma of the illness, mm-hmm. the way it makes us feel in the world, and our place in the world. Um. And whether it's real, you know, you've been brought up in a society that says, oh, cheer up, don't worry about it, forget about it, go for a walk, you know, don't, you know, it'll be all right in the end. Mm-hmm. Have a smile, have a drink, you know, when you have a lie down, all these sort of very glib ideas that have been thrown at deep suffering, you know, I mean, if you're sad, yeah, if you're feeling a bit sad, if, you, if you're normally happy and well, and you're having a sad day, you play a computer game for a bit or you know have a bath or you know burn a candle or do some knitting or, or whatever it might be and I'm sure that'll help but if you're starting to believe you're part of some giant psychotic conspiracy that you've made in your mind like like I say the site the conspiracy of one you know this sort of like cult of one none of that's going to be of any use it's it's in fact it's harmful I think I think it's it just becomes harmful yeah, the difference between having a sad day and having like a depressed month, you know. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'd give I'd, I I'd give it all for one sad day rather than feeling how I felt for months. Yeah, because it doesn't really make sense to me. I can I can almost see it. I can see it's this extra part of me that is just pulling everything else down. It's like this this um thing that waves over me comes over me as a sort of wave of of of, 
of much more than sadness. I don't think sadness cuts it. Sadness is sort of like, oh, the end of Bambi. I, I, I'm, I'm talking about like feeling like everything's pathetic, everything's useless, and yeah. there's nothing you can do to get out of it. You know, there's nothing, nothing that can be done to relieve that feeling at that moment. And yeah. you know, straight after, there's another moment and another moment, and they're all going to be the same. And they, they get varying degrees of worse, but they never get any better until you get help, until you, you know, you access medical help and, and treatment, you know, whether it be counseling or medication. Yeah, once you find like a sustainable recovery method, I, I agree with you that um, things like depression usually don't get better on their own. Sometimes with time, it, it does kind of pass, but having medication and therapy to help along the way definitely makes a massive difference. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe time does help. Maybe, but we're, we're both people that have reached out and asked for help. Yeah. So, that's the, I think I think that's where this health wellness idea is unhelpful if someone is in conflict themselves about whether they're ill because the, the, the psychiatrist said to me the other day the biggest and hardest thing to get to is accepting that you're ill you know accepting that you need help and that you are ill you know and I was saying to him I know I'm ill I know I'm sick I know I know this this can get better and I know this needs treatment and he said that's a massive thing, you know, and that that's good. It's a bit like having an alcohol addiction or a drug addiction. You know, you you have to accept you got a problem until you get help with the problem. And it sounds like a cliche, but cliches are cliches because they're true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, often. Well, sometimes. <laughs> I'll say sometimes cliches are cliches true. Cliches are cliches. pretty much unless they're unless they're racist or sexist in their in their inference, but yeah then they're just racist or sexist they're not a cliche <laughs> yeah there's a important distinction there for sure all right well we've been going for about an hour um did you have anything else that you wanted to add anything you wanted to ask me any final thoughts anything you want to plug anything like that at all i i wonder whether how i, I wanted to ask, how well do you think you are now compared to your worst state that's the only uh, thing I oh man uh i'm compared to my worst state i'm doing great right now um i i i would say that um after decreasing my mood stabilizer a couple of weeks ago it's been a little bit more up and down but compared to the depths or the heights that i've been to it's like it's manageable like I, i'm doing well right now um been having some sleep disruptions and um, little spats of hypomania and depression, but it's it's manageable for me. So I'm in a, a pretty good place right now. I'd give myself like a, you know, if one was like a major psychotic episode or a major psychotic depression, then I'm at like a six and a half or a seven right now. Out of you just need to try some scented candles and yoga and you'll be one out of ten. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I'm at that stage where just having like a like lighting some incense or something actually would be helpful. Um, but yeah, man, like when you're in the depths of like a crazy depressive episode, it um you're gonna need a little bit more than a scented candle. Yeah. I think that's a good place to end, Hunter. I can end it more beautifully than that. <laughs> Thanks, man. All right. That's all we've got for you for now. If you're interested in reading what Stu has been working on lately, check out his Twitter account. He's on Twitter at Tristamania101. That's at T-R-I-S-T-I-M-A-N-I-A-101. He actually has one article that's been published on ElephantJournal.com called How Can We Have Mental Health When We're Mentally Sick? And it's been getting like hundreds of reads and people are responding to it really well. So definitely check that out. I will also put the links for that in the episode description so you can check it out that way. 
Bipolar Recorder is on Twitter at Bipolar Recorder. I am on Twitter at HH Keegan. Twitter is definitely the best place to follow the show for updates and supplemental information and things like that. And hey, if you've been enjoying the show so far, please don't forget to tell your friends about it and maybe even leave a quick review on Apple Podcasts. These are both free and extremely helpful ways to support this show at this stage, so please consider doing that. This is Hunter Keegan. Thanks again for joining us. Stay safe and don't forget your meds. Bipolar Recorder is a listener-supported show. To help keep the show running, consider checking out our Patreon page or visiting BipolarRecorder.com. Unless otherwise stated, the hosts and guests on Bipolar Recorder are not licensed mental health professionals. Bipolar Recorder is not a substitute for therapy or professional medical intervention. If you are having a mental health crisis, please contact your local emergency services.